In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. Today's episode is an example of when we curate local experts, how untourism can play out. And I'm excited to have an expert, Nick Adams from Sanibel Island in Southwest Florida, walking us through what untourism might look like in Sanibel Island. Unfortunately, I'm not in Sanibel Island right now. I am in Northeast Wisconsin, where we have hit double-digit negative temperatures. So most of our adventures have turned indoors. In fact, if you, I started a story on Instagram, just indoor adventures, so you can see some of the crazy things my kids have come up with. Tonight, I thought was kind of funny. My kids created a ping pong table and everything was made out of cardboard and they transformed our dining room table into a ping pong table. So it's always amazing to me what my kids come up with and the creativity. It's fascinating. The highlight of my week, though, was last week, Thursday, we had a good old fashioned snow day. No school, no virtual learning. There was a ton of snow that came down, I think like about eight inches, and my kids played outside all day. And it was one of those moments where I think I've been dreaming of them going back to school. And now that they were home, I was so excited. Everybody was home. They played outside for hours. We couldn't keep up with the amount of gloves. They kept coming in soaked and we'd have to dry them and they weren't dry in time for them to go back outside. So it was a fun experiment. I unfortunately had to work from home and so I didn't get as much adventure time in, but I did end my day with a good three mile snowshoe hike, which was just the peaceful snow and it was still warm then. It was only in the maybe 20s or something. It was comfortable to be out snowshoeing. It was really nice. I really appreciated the fact that we could have an authentic old-fashioned snow day and the kids skied and sled and they did all the things that kids should be doing these days. At the same time, (laughs) the cold weather has brought forth kind of a Hygge moment. If you don't know, the Danish term Hygge is the term that describes comfort and cozy qualities that embody well-being. And so more often than not, I'm finding myself curled up with a good book under a big fluffy blanket in front of the fire. That's one of my favorite things to do on these really cold days. And luckily for all of you, if anybody else is in the same boat... I have an author coming on the show in a couple of weeks. Joanna Garten wrote several books, and they're both adventure stories. One is her own adventure story of international travel and adoption and moving her family abroad. That is called Awakening East. And the second book is Edge of the Map, where she writes someone else's adventure story of a world-class alpine climber. And both of them are just really riveting reads. I've read both of them. And I'm not an avid reader. So for me, it was a fun escape (laughs) from what I'm currently experiencing in these cold temperatures. If you stick with me until the end, I'll share more about the author, but also the discount code for Ordinary Sherpa listeners. So stick with me. I'll come back to this at the very end. If you are ready for a relaxing experience on the beaches of Sanibel Island, then having a friend like Nick Adams would be ideal. 
Nick is from London, England originally, and has been a photographer since the early 90s. He drew a lot of his inspiration from his uncle, John Adams, who was a respected fashion and glamour photographer in the swinging 60s and through the big hair 80s in London, and whose work can still be found in stock libraries in London within the popular resurgence of retro culture. Nick started his career working on cruise ships where he met his wife, Lori, originally from Delaware, Ohio. In 1994, Nick and Lori moved to England. Nick set up Nick Adams Photography with the help of the Prince's Trust, an excellent charity started by Prince Charles to help young entrepreneurs start up their business. The studio was based in a rural market town called Malden in Essex. During their time in England, Lori and Nick got married and had their first child, Max. In 1998, Lori, Nick, and Max moved to Southwest Florida, where the resurgence of Nick Adams photography made its reappearance. With better weather and sandy beaches as a backdrop, they made Southwest Florida their permanent home, along with a couple more additions to their family, Brooke and McKenna. Currently, Nick and Lori still run a thriving photography business on Sanibel Island and have also started the Sanibel Captiva Guide, a comprehensive guide to the island. I'm super excited to have Nick with us today. Nick, it's so exciting to have you here. Can you just give my listeners a little backdrop to your story? You have quite an interesting story. So can you just start by giving us a little bit of your background? Yeah, sure. No problem. I was obviously born in England. And then when I was in my mid-20s, I got a job on cruise ships in the Caribbean. I was working for Royal Caribbean. And uh, while I was out there, I met my wife uh, or a girlfriend, obviously, at the time after we used up all our excuses to stay together. Obviously, when you're working on a cruise ship, you can't really dictate where you go. The company does that for you. And we got separated. She was in Alaska and I was in the Caribbean. So we decided to leave the cruise ship life and uh, make a go of it ourselves. And to my surprise, she wanted to come to England. So we actually moved to England. We set up uh, a business in England, Nick Adams Photography, version one. <laughs> it was in a little historic town called Malden. If, if any of you culinary people are out there, there's a, a very famous sea salt called Malden Sea Salt. And that was the little town we had a studio at. Yeah, Nick, when we were talking, you had mentioned some support that you got actually with ties to the royal family. Can you highlight a little bit more about what that was and how they supported your business? My mum and dad were going through a bit of a hard time. I didn't really have any finances to fall back on or anything. So we, we started with a great charity that was started by Prince Charles, which helped people, young people, entrepreneurs get into business. It wasn't so much financial, but more support and backing with accountants and marketing people and all the rest of it. And they'd give you inexpensive places to rent. So we started up the business there. And then we got married, had a son. And we decided that after four years in England, we would give America a go. We weren't loving the English weather so much after being in the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. We decided to move to the Sanibel area. Sanibel, which is an island off of southwest Florida. It's warm, unlike Columbus. <laughs> yeah, it was the next obvious choice because our sister lived down here and an uncle lived on the island. So that's how we made our way here. And then we started a photography business, Nick Adams Photography version 2. When we were here, the only difference being it was on Sanibel Island, and we've been here since 1999. So now, you know, my kids, uh, Max, who was six months old when we were there, is now uh, 22, and then I've got two girls in high school. So Nice. So, yeah, that's how we ended up here. 
Yeah. Isn't it funny how your adventure story has so many different elements that you don't expect? I just, I could pull on the cruise ship. I could pull on the England ties. It's just so fun to hear the backstory behind what made you who you are and how you run your business and things like that. One of the reasons I was reaching out to you for this show was specific to Sanibel Island. You have created a guide to help people. One of the things as Ordinary Sherpa, our goal is to inspire families to connect is really to create these authentic kind of untouristy experiences. And you've learned a lot about Sanibel Island now in your how many years 20 years that you've lived there 20 20 years yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so tell me more about Sanibel Island and what drew you to that place and what you love about it okay so anybody that's ever been to Sanibel Island knows exactly what I'm talking about but if you haven't I'll give you an example of how I can say British friends have told me they've come to visit me so typically when you look at Florida you typically think about Disney they think about the obvious places like Cocoa Beach And you think about uh, Miami, all those sorts of places. Not so much about Southwest Florida. You know, obviously people know about Fort Myers and things like that. So there's a complete difference between all the places I mentioned. Sanibel Island particularly is a very laid back, nature orientated place. Very humble people, although wealthy people, very humble people. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful island. It's been very well taken care of. The islanders care passionately about it, and they've spent many, many years trying to preserve land so that they can't be developed. It's a huge place for nesting turtles. It's one of the top shelling spots in the world. People come from all over the world to find famous shells here. It's an island that's based around the peace and tranquility of Florida nature. If you go 10 miles away, there's Fort Myers Beach, which is a barrier. It's more of a spring break type place. Whereas lots of lights and loud music on the beach. And Sanibel, you can't even have lights on the beach after it's dark because they don't want nesting turtles to get confused with the lights on the beach compared to the moonlight. It can confuse them and when they hatch, they'll go the wrong way. So, you know, there's an ordinance banning lights on the beach and there's also an ordinance banning buildings over three stories for that reason too, so that lights don't confuse turtles. It walks the walk and it talks the talk. You know, the people really do care about everything to do with nature and preservation. I have known Sanibel Island mostly for the shells. I remember people going and talking a lot about the shells. Can you dive a little bit deeper? Tell me more. What is unique about Sanibel where the shells are just so extravagant? I was once told this by a marine biologist. Geographically, if you look on a map, the island is shaped like a boot. And the prevailing waters come from the west, the northwest. And as they go down the coast, south down the coast of the uh, the island they circle around the bottom of the island where the boot is basically and the shells are actually dumped on that bottom area so it's geography with the prevailing winds and the currents makes it just a special unique place Hmm. and every time there's a storm that comes in and the winds are in the right direction at low tide it doesn't matter what time of day you know it could be three in the morning you'll find a lot of shellers in these prime spots where after a storm and after... So they wait... Firstly, they'll wait for the storm. And then the next low tide after that is normally when people get all the shells. Not the biggest, but the most prized shell is called the Janinia. And that is a really, really rare shell. So rare that if people find it, it, it makes the local newspaper. So Oh, wow. Are there any rules around which shells you can or cannot take from the beach? Yeah, absolutely. There's an ordinance, no live shelling. There are a couple of species of shell that you can take, but for all intents and purposes, you're better off thinking no live shelling whatsoever. So that didn't used to be the case. We've heard stories of people that used to come back in the 70s. Laurie's aunt used to watch people take live shells. They would put them in bags in the back of the car and halfway back to 
you know, wherever home is, they've all dried out and they've got this horrendous smell to them. And then all of a sudden they're <laughs> trying to dump them on the side of the road. Cause, uh, <laughs> so it's a good, it's a good thing, not just for nature, but for everything else too. <laughs> yeah. So beyond shelling, yeah. we're a family of five. We don't necessarily love to do a lot of touristy things. So for me, the shelling is a super fun experience where we can go to the beach. Just my kids will be entertained with shells for hours. Are there other things on the island that make it really family friendly and maybe not necessarily have to buy admission or be sold to get into some attraction? That is the most beautiful thing about this area. It really is truly a fantastic place. It's safe, first and foremost. And Secondly, there is a ton of things to do. Shelling is the obvious one, and it's probably undertaken by less locals than you could ever imagine. So (laughs) a lot of tourists will do it, but there's so much more to the islands than just shelling. If you love beach walking or if you like hiking or if you there's the whole island for every road, there's a bike path. So there's a whole network of bike paths that are separate to the roadways. And you can travel Sanibel and Captiva, which is the adjoining island, by bicycle. You can rent bicycles here. Yeah, there's also big wildlife refuges. Although not free, they're inexpensive. Like you can take a whole car full of people in, I think it's $10. So you can drive a three-mile track that goes all the way through the swamps and undergrowth and you will see phenomenal wildlife you know uh, from alligators to you can imagine white pelican osprey eagles everything you know and you can even do it more than once i tell people if the sun's out then you're going to see cold-blooded animals you know like alligators are going to be out basking in the sun trying to warm up but if it's cloudy you might see other animals so low tide you're going to see skimming birds and things like that and at high tide you're going to see a different set of animals so it's You know, just because you've gone through there once, literally you can go through there five times in a week and each time you'll see something different. So that's a fantastic uh, place to go as a family. And, and, you know, there's lots, lots more. There's lots of kiteboarding, windsurfing. You can get windsurfing lessons, kiteboarding lessons. There's the causeway has is surrounded by fairly shallow water. So if you imagine on the northern side of the causeway, the water's only knee deep to waist deep for quite a long distance from the shoreline. So it's perfect for kiteboarding and windsurfing just because when the wind's blowing, the water's protected so it doesn't get particularly rough, but you have the beauty of the wind, so uh, flat water, and if you fall off, you're just in waist-deep water. So Mm. it really is known for its kiteboarding and windsurfing as well. That sounds fabulous. I'm in Wisconsin right now recording. So the idea of kiteboarding or being in a natural preserve, seeing alligators actually sounds really intriguing right now in the middle of winter. Yesterday, it wasn't particularly warm by our standards. I'd have to check, but probably 70. I'm not trying to be... Uh, no, it's <laughs> I'm not okay. trying to rub it in for those people, <laughs> but, um, but there was tons of people out, you know, traveled for a long distance, I'm sure, just to take part in the great winds that were out yesterday. So. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. It's got a broad attraction from like toddlers to retirees. There's not really is something for everybody. That's great. Let's lead into how did you combine your life on Sanibel Island with your photography business? And what are some of the projects you're working on now? We've predominantly been beach portrait photographers. So typically we'll have large families that will congregate, you know, around Thanksgiving or all through the year, really. It's very much a family destination. And typically when families get together on a big occasion, they want to have it photographed. So 
We've been doing that for many, many years. I used to do a lot more weddings than I do now. When there was a brief shutdown over COVID, my wife and I were not the sort of people to sit still. And we wouldn't have been uh, very cohesive together if we were locked behind four walls. <laughs> so we decided to go out and make most of it. It's not very often that we're not busy. So we would go to the beach. We're not ones for laying on the beach. We have to be doing stuff. We filmed a short video at the start of COVID and posted it and just timestamped it. And it's on our YouTube channel, the Nick Adams Photography YouTube channel, the Sankat Guide YouTube channel. And basically it just said it was timestamped and this was today and this is how it is. And it got such an unbelievable response. We posted it on some Facebook groups and it got shared hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And we realized that there were so many people not just in the United States, but around the world. We literally have had emails from all over the world that were planning on coming to Santa Barbara or Captiva that couldn't make it because of COVID. And they would just send us letters. I mean, like random letters about, you know, telling them about their families and the history of them coming here and how much it's helped them. So over we kept over 55 days of a, of a shutdown. We basically posted 45 videos so it was it was quite an undertaking for somebody that was really slow at editing i've got much better at it now but literally we were going out in the morning and shooting at you know nine in the morning and i literally wasn't getting done till midnight we made a very peaceful time and uh, turned it into something very stressful but it was it was worth it just for the reaction and the response and people were really digging it and it was just nice that to spread a bit of positivity for the people that couldn't get to the beach and to have them enjoy it. What happened was, if you fast forward after the shutdown, we were only actually shut down for 55 days. And shutdown here, compared with elsewhere in the world, is negligible. I mean, shutdown was uh, restaurants were closed, but the beaches were open and things like that. So we decided, well, how could we place these videos in a package that could be useful for people. The more that time went along, we got a little bit more advanced. And we decided that we wanted to post them somewhere and, and share them. So we came up with the idea of making a guide. And the reason we decided to do that was most guides that are out there, they're normally geared around advertising, who's paying the biggest buck. And if you're not even paying, then you, you don't even exist on there. So we decided that whatever happens in the future, we're going to try and make the best possible guide with the best content and that meant great pictures, great videos, and genuine information and not holding back on information that might financially affect me or anybody else to the extent where we didn't advertise our own photography business on it. I mean, there's a logo at the end of each video, but that's it. We never mentioned ourselves as photographers or anything like that. And we really wanted it to be a giving site, somewhere that if you want to find out about say the restaurants of Sanibel, you will get every single restaurant, whether they're advertising or not, there's 62 of them. And there's a list and they, you know all the information is there, regardless of whether people are advertising or anything like that. We've done blog articles and videos about the waterfront restaurants in Sanibel and Captiva. And we've also got a trail guide that accompanies that. So you can actually bicycle or drive to all those restaurants and we give you a quiz to do so that we know you've got there and then if you fill it out that you can win prizes and stuff like that so we tried to make it really fun and come from a good place so eventually we, we, we're going to have to have some financial help to keep it going but even so what we've got there already is like for example if you were to come here and you wanted to know about RVing on Sanibel or Captiva I can tell you where every single rv spot is how long it is meaning what size rv will it take mm -hmm. how long you can stay there how much it costs per hour 
and that's all on one blog post, you know. So it really is, the, we call it the complete guide to Sanibel and Captiva. And hopefully that's our intention. That's what we, we're trying to do. That is perfect. My intent is really to source the local experts and pull that kind of hidden gem knowledge out from each location that we're in. And you mentioned the RV thing. I could probably spend weeks researching that. Having that available to potential visitors in the future is just such a valuable resource. So thank you for that. That's super exciting. I'll put links to all of your resources in the show notes as well. I really appreciate, too, as a family coming in that I know what all of the options are rather than being sold, like you said, the top trendy or the chain restaurant, so to speak. But I want to go back to one piece you mentioned earlier. If someone had a specific question, are you available? Would they be able to reach out to you and ask further questions or how might someone ask additional information? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we're open to be contacted and we'd love to hear back from people and we do all the time. So absolutely, if there's something you want to hear about or if there's a particular area that you don't see on the blog or the website or the YouTube channel, something you want to see, drop us a line. We'd love to hear about it. We just did one. Actually, we just posted one today that's all about, unfortunately, but fortunately, the pandemic and all the things that you can do during, you know, COVID and things like that. So we're, we're trying to keep it current. We're trying to make sure it's a tangible information that you can use. So we would love to get feedback from people. And absolutely, we would be open to uh, adding in information that's not there if it's not there already. That's awesome. I'm going to go back to one thing you mentioned earlier, and I I just want to close the loop on it. One of the things I love to do is schedule family photography while on vacation. So if a family is interested, are you still doing beach portraits for families as they come to the island or if they have a gathering that they're coming together for? Absolutely. This is what pays for the Sandcap Guide. You know, we wouldn't be able to do it without Nick Anna's photography. I'm on the beach doing family portraits most nights. And it will be more often than one time a day, you know, as the season gets busier. And after Valentine's Day here, it gets the season gets a little busier. We're obviously a winter season. So, no, we're constantly, that's our main line of business. And fortunately, unfortunately, you know, during this time of year, we're so busy that we have another employee that's writing on the Sandcap Guide now. But we're not making as many videos as we want because we're so busy with the photography business. So it's a good problem (laughs) to have. But it's also, you know, hopefully we can get a bit of a balance going in the future and we'll spend even more time on the Sandcap Guide, uh, make it the best we can possibly make it. And, uh, you know, the photography is still here. So, yeah, we're still busy working photographers. We have a studio on the island. We have multiple photographers. So, yes, it's very much still alive and going. And it's what pays for the Sandcap Guide. So, Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm just going to end this by saying, is there anything else that you'd like to share with my listeners or anything that you thought I was going to ask that I didn't? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Just make sure if you, anybody, especially for the listeners, anybody's taking a a trip to Florida and they're thinking of the usual suspects, I would highly, highly recommend uh, Sanibel and Captiva. I'm not being paid to do it. I'm just telling you because I love it. Put it this way. After a few days at Disneyland or Universal or somewhere like that, the complete opposite juxtaposition would be to come to Sanibel and unwind. So everybody, there's something here for everybody. I think everybody should pay it a visit at some point or another. I think you'll have a great, great time. That's super exciting. And I already talked to my husband. I said, you know, we got a long weekend coming up. I heard about Sanibel Island as being a potential location. And he's like, look into it. <laughs> look, and, and we'd love to see you. So if you if you come by, please swing by the studio, which is right on the main street. It's on Periwinkle Way. 
Sounds good, Nick. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I'll put all of your information in the show notes and people can follow up with you if they need to. Awesome. Thank you so much and good luck with the show. Well, there you have it, folks. If you are interested in Sanibel Island, there's some great resources. And I want to highlight that he mentioned a couple of resources in this episode, and the links are in the show notes to both the Prince's Trust in the UK. I know I have a number of listeners from the UK. The resources related to the Sanibel Captiva Guide and Nick Adams Photography, all of those links and where to follow him on the YouTube channels and the social media are all included in the show notes. So for today, our key takeaways are how and why did you land where you are living now? Nick's story from England back and forth to America had several influences. The weather was one of them. Number two, there is a thread of generosity throughout Nick's story. On the receiving end, Nick Adams Photography version one was the recipient of early support from Prince Charles Charity to give it the backing and get it off the ground. Nick Adams Photography Version 2 has contributed to support local community of Sanibel and Captiva Islands. How does generosity show up in your story and how might you contribute to helping others on their adventure journey? The Ordinary Sherpa Facebook group is a great place to contribute and receive others' generosity. Number three, the Sand Cap Guide is a resource detailing everything you need to know or want to know about Sanibel Captiva Islands in Southwest Florida. If Florida's on your list, I would consider exploring Sanibel Island and paying the Sand Cap Guide a visit for an untourist and meaningful experience. Number four, untourism utilizes local expertise. Imagine you are Nick and building a guide for your community. What are the unique aspects of your community or region that would help visitors have a local experience? Number five, how do you capture adventures? Have you ever considered having portraits taken while visiting a destination? Photos are a critical piece to documenting adventures, which is actually an upcoming episode, and a great way to make sure everyone is included and have a quality, non-selfie photo of the entire family. So those are our key takeaways. As I mentioned earlier in the show, I have a couple of upcoming episodes with author Joanna Garten. She's the author of Awakening East and Edge of the Map. I have links to both of those in the show notes as well. Part one will be on the Awakening East and being the author of your own adventure story. And part two, we'll dive deeper into some of the themes that came up in Edge of the Map, which I'm super excited about. If you are interested, I've included the link on Amazon. That's where you can purchase Awakening East just because it's an older publication. However, if you purchase Edge of the Map from Joanna Garten's website, which is joannagarten.com, and use the coupon code SHERPA, you'll get 25% off the order. They're both really great reads by the beach or by the fire, depending on where you're located. And I can't wait to dive into them with each of you. So appreciate you joining us on this journey. There are a lot of resources in the show notes, and I hope I'll see you on the Ordinary Sherpa email subscriber list or even following our Instagram page. We appreciate you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you soon. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.